You're listening to The Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is by Pastor Dean Bernke. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our sermon this morning comes to us from St. Matthew's Gospel, the first chapter, verse 1, and then verse 6, and verse 17, which read as follows. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and Jesse, the father of David the king. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, And from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Here ends our text. You know, since the dawn of time, one statistic says that about 100 billion people have walked on the face of the earth. And of those hundred billion people, only a few have made any real lasting impression. And in that few, in that handful of people, one stands out above all the others. His name, Jesus. Now the thing about Jesus is, he never wrote a book. And yet millions of books have been written about him. He never painted a picture. Yet the world's greatest art has Jesus as a source for inspiration. Jesus never raised an army, and yet millions of followers have fought and died for him. Jesus never traveled very far from his birthplace, and yet his testimony has gone around the world. Jesus had only a handful of followers, and yet today over 30% of the world's population claims to follow him. To ignore Jesus is disastrous. To reject him is fatal. But to know Jesus is to love him. And to love him is to trust him. And to trust him is to be radically, dramatically, and eternally changed by him. The most important question then that we can ever ask is this. Who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? That's the name for our sermon series during these Sundays in Advent. Who is Jesus? And so we turn to the Gospel of St. Matthew. And Matthew wants us to know, and that's what Matthew's genealogy in the first chapter is all about. He writes that genealogy that we can know Jesus. Today we begin with this truth, that Jesus is the son of David. Again, the text for this morning, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, and Jesse, the father of David, the the king. So all the generations of Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations. From the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Jesus is the son of David. David is a king, and that makes Jesus the king. 
And when we confess that Jesus is the king, we dare not confuse him with American politicians. Of course, both are rulers, but we know both are very different. American politicians make these big, crazy promises, don't they? Politicians will say almost anything to a get elected. We see it already amongst the presidential candidates. But just wait to late summer and early fall of 2020. In America, we're accustomed to politicians who say what the public wants them to say. No one's campaign slogan goes, slow, arduous growth, or realistic compromise. No, we want leaders who will promise the moon, or at least a colony on the moon. But when we look at Jesus, we see a completely different kind of leader, a different kind of king. Jesus is the promised king. Matthew says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, when we hear the term Jesus Christ, we sometimes misunderstand it. Christ is not Jesus' last name. When Jesus went into the doctor for his physical, the doctor didn't say, okay, let's see here, last name Christ, first name Jesus. No, Christ is his title. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. It means anointed one. As you read through the Old Testament, it foretells of a coming Messiah. It tells of a king who would be anointed by the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's mission. And this Messiah would come from the line of David. He'd be born in David's city. He would sit on David's throne and so Matthew labors to demonstrate that Jesus is this king, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the son of David. Now, when Matthew wrote his gospel, Israel had been without a legitimate king for hundreds of years. But Matthew now declares a king has finally come to sit on David's throne. And it's Christ. And he hammers this truth home by citing 10 specific Old Testament promises, writing that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. You heard that this morning in the gospel reading. In addition, Matthew alludes to the Old Testament over 250 times in his gospel. Jesus is the promised king but he's also the compassionate king. Jesus' purpose in coming wasn't to get rid of Israel's enemies, but Jesus comes to bring in those outcasts, and that's evident in Matthew's genealogy. For you see, in the ancient world, people trace their ancestry through the Father. And so it comes as no surprise as you read his genealogy in chapter 1 that Matthew's genealogy is predominantly male. However, it's not exclusively male. Matthew also mentions four women. There's Tamar in verse 3, 
There's Rahab and Ruth in verse 5. And there's Bathsheba in verse 6. In Matthew's genealogy, he doesn't highlight Jesus' connection to the matriarchs of Israel, such as Sarah, Rebecca, or Rachel. And then all four of these women in Matthew's genealogies are outsiders. Tamar was a Canaanite, and so was Rahab. Ruth was a Moabite. Bathsheba was a Hittite, like her husband Uriah the Hittite. Each of these women were outsiders to Israel. And moreover, each of these women had a stigma attached to them. Tamar was dishonored by her brother-in-law. And later she deceived her father-in-law into sleeping with her so that she could conceive children. Rahab was a prostitute. Bathsheba committed adultery with David. Ruth once worshipped the Moabite god Chemish. Jesus expected a Messiah who would come, who would drive out the Roman oppressors and then crush the nations to establish God's rule. But at his first coming, Jesus doesn't come to judge the nations. He comes to save the nations. Jesus comes to bring those outcasts to God. He removes the shame of those marginalized people like Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. And this is really a preview of the rest of Matthew's gospel. If you read through the gospel, who does Matthew spend time, or Jesus spend time with? The outcasts. Jesus gets closer to the diseased people who are quarantined from society. Jesus touches them. He gets close enough to them to be contracted by their disease. One other thing. Three of the four women in Matthew's genealogy were sexually exploited. According to research, one in four women and one in six men will be sexually abused or exploited at some point in their lives. Maybe there's some amongst us this morning. And often those wounds are deepened by the shame others inflict upon them. But Jesus come, welcomes and heals people who carry these wounds, even the unnecessary wounds, wounds rather, of shame. And you know, that finally includes every one of us. That ugly shame. That haunting shame. Jesus not only takes away our guilt, that sin done by us, but Jesus also takes away our shame, the sin that's done to us. We don't have to drink our shame away, work our shame away, explain our shame away, eat our shame away, cry our shame away, or bury our shame away. Jesus isn't a king who sits on a throne and says, you just need to try harder. No, he's a king that comes down from his throne. He's filled with compassion. A king who identifies us in the pits of shame. And at our darkest hour, those times when we feel the ugliest, 
when we're most despairing, Jesus says, I love you. What other people said and thought and did to us doesn't define us. We don't have to live in shame. We aren't worthless. We aren't damaged goods. But rather, we're clean. We're whole. We are His. There's outside help. Jesus is the compassionate King. But He's also the rejected King. To the Jewish elites of Jesus' day, He was the wrong kind of King in the wrong place, he associated with the wrong people, he preached the wrong message, he appointed the wrong leaders, he carried the wrong mission, and he offered the wrong redemption. But the whole thing came to a head in Good Friday. Matthew writes, and over his head they put the charge against him which read, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Arisen on the third day, Jesus says in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's what we would expect of a king, to have all authority. And as our king, Jesus makes demands of us. After all, Jesus the king has all authority in heaven and on earth. But before he makes demands of us, First, he comes for us. Jesus lives for us, and he dies for us, and he rises for us. Jesus gives everything for us, and that's a king that's worth following all the days of our lives. Matthew 9 says, as people passed on from there, he called a man, saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Who is Jesus? He's the king we follow all the days of our lives. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpass all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was filled with joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word. If you have questions or would like more information about Hope Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.hopeaurora.org. Send an email to office at hopeaurora.org or call us at 303-364-7416. This has been The Word of Hope.